Sounds good. All right, hey everyone, it's uh, Sam here from Wall Street Mastermind. Um, I'm here with my client Jared today, and uh, Jared just uh, finished his summer 2021 recruiting process, um, and I wanted to get him on here to kind of talk about the entire journey with you guys and share some um, advice, hopefully from him, about kind of like what worked and uh, what, what enabled him to kind of get to the outcome that he got. Um, and hopefully it'll be really beneficial for you guys. So Jared, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, to just give people some background on yourself, like can you just maybe introduce yourself a little bit and tell people kind of like who you are? Yeah, sure. I can, I'll, I'll start briefly. So I'm Jared. I'm, I study at Dartmouth. I'm in the class of 2022, so I recruited for my junior summer in 2021. Um, so I started to study mainly computer science. So I have a much more, I think, technical background than a lot of uh, other students that were going through banking recruiting at this point. Um, and I think that it was both, I guess, advantageous and disadvantageous uh, in various regards. Um, you know, having a technical background, I was much more versed, I think, in pretty more advanced concepts in math and science, more so than a lot of, you know, interviewers would have been, I think. In many interviews I, I got, why do you even want to do this? You know, we were basically only doing basic addition and multiplication. It seems like your background is much different than what we're looking for. So definitely having to come up with an answer and, and, and level sound in that regard was something I had to figure out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, basically I have technical background, but at a liberal arts college, which meant led to kind of interesting recruiting experience and a lot of uh, interesting questions uh, why I wanted to pursue this field. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And so, I mean, we started working together back during your sophomore year. I mean, you're, you just started your junior year, right? Yep, just started junior year. We started working together probably halfway through your sophomore year, if I remember correctly. Maybe yeah, I believe around January. Yeah. So what, 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 what were you doing up to that point? Like prior to Wall Street Mastermind, like how, what, what were you doing at the time as far as recruiting goes? Or how were you going about your preparation process? Yeah, you know, I guess prior to Wall Street Mastermind, I guess one word I could use to describe my, my, my kind of training was very unstructured. Um, you know, I, was, I had some upperclassmen friends send me the guides and I was trying to read through them best as I could, but it, I guess things weren't really, really clicking. You know, I don't study finance or business or anything like that. So I think very early on in the process, I realized I was at a disadvantage in that regard. Uh, so I was trying to figure out my technicals trying to come, come together with a story and trying to think about like uh, what stories I could spin in various behavioral fronts. Uh, but really kind of structuring my own plan wasn't really working. So I was really looking for a solution to that and something that would help me kind of get to the next level that I didn't think I could do on my own. Mm, got it. Okay. So we, we hear that a lot um, with clients that come and work with us. Just, you know, they use the guys, but it wasn't really working. Um, we also hear a lot from people who haven't worked with us or haven't started preparing for banking yet. And they always ask like, well, why can't I just use the guides? So, yeah. <laughs> because everybody else that I know, they're just using the guides, right? So when you said like, Hey, I try to use the guides, perhaps the technicals and the behaviorals, but it wasn't really working. What was it about that? That didn't really work for you? Yeah, I guess it was, I guess, in my experience, you know, going through the guides, you get, you know, it's kind of too much too fast. You get all these questions thrown at you and 
a very, you know, it is kind of structured by chapters and you get, I don't know, like 10 sample questions per chapter and they give you answers on what they would do, but it's not really like one teaching you how to actually do this and two, it's, I don't think, comprehensive enough. You know, one thing that I was struggling with is, you know, you can memorize answers from, from guides all day long, but what happens in an interview if you get questions, you know, kind of a curveball or something that they're, that, you know, what if the interviewer didn't want to pull questions from the guides? Yeah. Uh, and I found, you know, I had a friend who uh, is working, who worked this summer at an elite boutique and who'd gone through a pretty tough recruiting process as well. Uh, and I had him quiz me early on just on some technical questions that he had gotten in the process. And I think literally zero of them had shown up in my, in my training up to that point. Mm. Um, which kind of was eye-opening saying, wow, I really need to expand my resources here. And I, th I thought taking a class would be a great way to do that. You know, with Wall Street Mastermind, you get a really structured approach. You get these modules and behaviorals and technicals. And I think it was much more comprehensive than anything that I'd been able to do before. Got it. Got it. And now that, and so that was back then, right? And right. Then now that you've come out the other side of the recruiting process and you, I don't know how many interviews you've gone through. I don't know if you kept track, but yeah. having gone through the, first of all, maybe you tell people how many interviews you have, but like out of the interviews you've had, like how often would you say, did you get questions that were not from the guides? Yeah, I guess. So I went through, I think a, a lot of interviews I did probably around, I guess in terms of processes, I probably went through 15 different places processes. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's not, I mean, I was, that was mostly banking, but also like a few places that had shown up on like dartboard on their, on like the school recruiting that I shot my resume off that. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess in terms of guide versus non-guide, you know, I think there were a, a few places that the interviewer was pretty candid about, oh, we take questions from the guide. This is, what we're going to be asking you, but I'd say probably at least half, um, most of the questions in the interview didn't even weren't like the basic, oh, walk me through out $10 appreciation flows through the statements. It's not the kind of questions you're going to be getting in a lot of these interviews, especially in the more sought after places, you know, that I've been interviewing at. Um, and it's just, frankly, there's more, there's like a higher level understanding that's needed that I wasn't finding that, yeah. uh, that I feel like I needed to kind of just hammer down more. So. Yeah. Yeah. What we've been seeing from working with so many different clients is that, um, like you said, especially the more sought after more competitive places, um, they're starting to ask more and more like what we call application type questions where yeah it's not about memorizing the formula to the dcf or something it's more do you know how to apply this knowledge to like a real world situation or solve a case study question or something really yeah. open-ended right yeah the, so the internship that i'm going to the next summer at bank capital credit it was i mean it was case interviews so the way they say, they said prepare for consultant cases, but that was the worst advice you could possibly take because they were not like it's all the cases at all. I guess, you know, the end of the end of the consulting prep would have been, oh, have a structured answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was for one of these interviews, I had to go through a DCF and then a stress debt analysis, which was like, you know, not something you'd see in the, in the guides at right. all. Right. So how did you, how did you handle that on the spot? Like, was that something that you have prepared for or you, you sound like you maybe weren't really expecting that but you were uh, no I was not expecting that, that kind of thing at all but I guess thankfully one of the modules in, in Wall Street Mastermind had been going through DCF so I was very confident on going on going through the DCF mm -hmm. and uh, I thankfully gotten through the LBO module as well so I'd taken some time on my own to look over different you know types of debt you know he threw things like first lien second lien things that I was thankfully after going through some of these modules that I'd heard before 
otherwise yeah. I would have been kind of SOL on that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of thankfully a lot of what I'd heard I, I'd seen in my in my training and some of the courses I was going through. So that was definitely yeah. a little yeah. uh, so more helpful than not. So basically, it's exactly what I said, which is this application type questions where even though you've never seen this question before, you weren't even expecting it. Sounds like you might have even been preparing for consulting interviews because they kind of misled you. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they just said maybe read through some consulting case practice because that's what it's going to look like. And that it didn't look like that. And then you went and read like case in point or something. <laughs> yeah, I read through. I literally, I, I had a friend send me a PDF of case in point, and I read through the like the introduction and went through like a practice case, which yeah. I thought was enough. But thankfully, it wasn't even it wasn't even like that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Um, but <laughs> but but so you but because you already had the prerequisite knowledge, you had already. Oh knowledge, yeah. And you could. I already you, spent months like learning and relearning all this stuff in, in a more classroom like setting than in just a learn these questions setting you know it was learn why would you do a dcf and what's the dcf actually doing yeah. more so than oh well what if you pull this lever yeah and then so you can basically adapt on the fly even though it's a yeah. question you've never seen before you can think to yourself like okay well this is i know this stuff and this is how i could apply it definitely um that's awesome man i mean look that's Obviously, the degree of difficulty that we're talking about here, <laughs> doing something yeah. like that is much higher than just regurgitating some answers uh, to, to some formula that they know you've already memorized, right? And I, yeah, think, they that, know, they know. And I think that memorization uh, method, that used to work maybe like five to ten years ago. Right. Yeah, I think that I think a lot of them have caught on. Even interviews that I had expected to be on the more basic side, on technical fronts, like oh, interviews at like my super day at City, they ended up throwing some curveballs at me because you know everyone everyone knows oh walking through the formula for a DCF, it's just something that people can rattle off. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But it's like oh, then the second the follow up question, okay, what are some different uh, idiosyncratic accounts that we can that could be going to this formula that you wouldn't yeah. see on like you know Wall Street Oasis guys. No, and that's a great point is that um, it's all relative to what your competition is doing, right? Because I think even the huge sites like, you know, Wall Street Oasis or Emergent Inquisitions, like the sites that everybody reads, yeah, they've only been around for maybe like 10, 10 to 12 years or so. And so like back when I was in college, I think these sites just started. And so back then, if you were using one of these guys, it was actually, on top of it. Yeah. It was a huge advantage because like not everyone was using it. Then over the years, everybody started using it. And now it's like, as an interviewer, I know that if I just ask you one of these questions from the guides, probably nine out of 10 candidates. Are you seen it. Yeah. They've all but seen it. How are you going to stand out at that point? Well, and how, as an interviewer, how am I going to distinguish <laughs> exactly. who's actually a good candidate and who's not? So then I have to kind of raise the bar, right? I have to, start making things harder so that I can separate, like, you know, let the cream rise to the top. Exactly. And so you kind of have to adapt to the market, which is, okay, this is the new bar. Now what else can we do? If everyone else is doing this, what's the next level to that, right? And so that's kind of what we try to do here at Wall Street Mastermind, which is really take it to the next level in terms of the, the amount of, of the content. Yeah. The content and also the support that we give you guys, right? Yeah. Um, reach out and it'd be answered you know not these google searches scrolling through random forums trying to find the one answer that is actually correct yeah for sure um and so 
Maybe let's talk about that a little bit because that's kind of a pretty good segue, which is, so you joined Wall Street Mountain. So you were doing that. You were studying the guides that you got from the upperclassmen. Didn't really work that well. Then you joined Wall Street Mastermind. What do we do in the program? And what was different about, you know, how we did things versus how you were doing things before? What did you find to be, I guess, most beneficial for you? I guess. Yeah, I guess like for me, I'm someone who really thrives off of structure and kind of a plan set into place. And I think, you know, studying on my own, I was creating my own structure, which was, you know, working to a point. But the fact that there were modules and courses and numbers and a, an actual trajectory to get to, to get to like a path to get to the place I needed to get to really helped me, you know, figure out where I need to go. And the fact that, you know, it was constrained to a certain time frame meant that I was, you know, make, making sure I was keeping track on everything and, and pushing myself to seek you know, like a, you know, auxiliary material if I needed extra help or reach out to you and other coaches if I needed, you know, more help on a certain topic. I think that aspect of the program was the most beneficial to me beyond just the sheer like breadth of technical training that I couldn't have gotten anywhere else. You mean the aspect of like being able to get help whenever you needed? Yeah. Help when it, it was help whenever I needed. And it was uh, like also the structure, as I mentioned before, you know, keeping myself on track to like make sure I was getting through everything I needed to get through and not missing anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, got it. Um, and, and so th- this, help getting help whenever you need it like what is that what does it actually look like because i think like that one one thing with using the guides is there is no help right like you read it on your phone and if you get it great if you don't get it then you don't get it right yeah move on and hopefully they can ask that question (laughs) right and so like what kind of support do we actually did you actually get in the program well yeah in the program there was there was a few levels of that i think on one hand, there was like the office hours. I think there were, I think when I started the program, they were once a week, but now they're even twice a week. So even more, even more so than uh, they were before, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it, I am always someone who likes to listen, both ask questions, but even more so listen to questions that other people are asking. Mm-hmm. I think that's super helpful. Like staying, like just staying there and you know, hear what other people are struggling with is a way to figure out what you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like sitting through those hours uh, of questions, uh, was a way to help me gauge where I was in relation to other people that were also going through the same process as me uh, in a way where I can kind of like tighten the tighten where I need to tighten. Mm-hmm. And also you guys are available. I mean, any time of the day, just through a Slack message or if I need to zoom with you or call with you guys, it was super readily available. If I needed more complex topics, I wanted to go over my behaviorals, which I found to be, I mean, behavioral, I, I found that to be super crucial as well. Yeah. Uh, even more than I initially anticipated. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll really, just a lot of resources that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you kind of talked about the technical piece earlier already about, Hey, um, you know, it being harder and more application based on the behavioral side, you mentioned that, uh, it's more helpful than you originally anticipated. I think we hear that a lot too, from people. Which yeah. Most people don't feel like they need that much help on the behavioral side. Uh, you'd be you'd be surprised because I could come out of interviews feeling like I nailed the technicals, but if you were if I wasn't vibing with the interviewer, if I didn't feel like I had everything nailed down, like you know I was banking a hundred percent of the way, or if, even if I was, if they didn't feel that hundred percent, it was just kind of a ding. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, at the end I, of the day, it's like who they want to work with. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have had that experience where you come out of an interview, you're feeling good about yourself, you nailed all the technical questions, you're like I knocked out of the park. And then yeah. when you're back, it's not the result that you expected. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what what I did wrong. And it, and, and it ends up coming down to the behavioral aspect. It may be 
thankfully, you know, I feel like I'd really tightened down my story. I mean, I mean, I could do my story in my sleep at this point, you guys having hammered down that over the past six months. Right. Um, and I guess the way that you guys had perhaps preparing, like adapting stories for different questions you get, because unless you're not going to get these questions, you're not going to get the same questions every time. Like, you're not going to get and by the time you did team and then you showed teamwork. Like that's, you're not going to get that every time. You right. know, I've got some curveballs that maybe I would anticipate, but you know, being able to spin stories and being able to like, have that practice and have those repetitions yeah. in behaviors as well was, was super helpful. And I think also on the behavioral side, the reason why people are always confused about what went on the interview is it's hard to identify what you did wrong with your own behavior. Answer. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so like you might have given them an answer that you felt like was pretty, pretty darn good, but obviously the interviewer didn't, <laughs> didn't think the so. Way, but they're not going to give you feedback on, hey, you said this in your story and I would change that. Right. Um, and so having someone who's qualified to give you that feedback, actually yeah. spend the time to go through all of your answers in detail. Yeah, I think back when I started, I went through like four or five iterations of my of my behavioral of my story and questions. You know, I keep sending them over, and I get comments back, and I fix it, re relearn them, send them back, re like get comments on what I could keep improving on. Yeah. Um, like frankly, you're, you can't really do that on your own because at the end of the day, like I can think my story is great. Um, but some, someone who's actually an interviewer's shoes or someone who actually went through banking as a, in, as a professional, not just as an intern, uh, I think was invaluable. Yeah. And that's probably four or five iterations more than most people, to be honest. Yeah. And then um, even like refining it further after that, like once, even once they're uh, like, uh, once they pass this level of satisfaction, it's like, keep, keep working on them, like keep having reps and mocks and, and fixing them further. I think the biggest thing with the behaviorals too also is it comes down to pattern recognition, right? Of like, hey, yeah. um, out of all the interviews that our clients have gone through, like how have they answered the questions and who got what kind of outcome, right? And then yeah. drawing from that large sample size, you know, we've had, as, as of the time of this recording, we've had probably over 200 clients that we've worked with. And so we've seen a lot of different people answer these questions and we've seen which ones actually got jobs and which ones didn't get jobs <laughs> and like you know what, what what are the similarities between the answers that tend to work and that that leaves clues about hey what are these bankers actually looking for what do they want to hear right and then from there it comes down to taking whatever stories and experiences you you've had up to this point and tailoring it to that right but what most people do is they don't have this framework or they don't have this sample size of data and they're just kind of guessing like, oh, I think this could work. And then they use that as their answer. And then, you know, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, more often than <laughs> not, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. They also don't know why it's not working. Right. Yeah. It's like knowing what needs to be improved on. Like, you know, the, like the structure that we had for our behavioral questions was a great place to start. And then, you know, being able to like hone in on, okay, this part of your story is weak or this part of the story is weak. This is what you need to show a takeaway here. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. This transition doesn't work here. It's just having those, those reps and those comments is really helpful. Yeah. And it's not like, there's no secret sauce to the behaviorals. It's literally, yeah. just, it's literally just coming from across as a human and come as someone who was able to learn from their past experience. <laughs> well, and, and coming from like, for us, it's coming from a place of experience of just having, done it so many times right yeah most college students they don't have that much behavioral interview experience maybe they <laughs> for a club on campus or like 
a couple that's of, not the same yeah it's not the same thing right um and and this is so much harder than that and so and so that and and honestly i was talking was like that like you said you alluded to earlier this this part is probably even more important than the technicals right yeah i would i mean because technicals is more i think technicals a lot of times it's there's a differentiation factor but at the end of the day a lot out of interviewers it's like okay, did they did they do enough did they show that they learned enough to do this job well and then beyond that it's okay now do there are their past experiences relevant so they feel like they can talk to clients do i would i trust them at two in the morning when i just send them a report yeah like these features of, of a person they'd want to work with that you have to be able to articulate yeah technical is more check the box right like if you don't check the box you yeah you're just not going to get the job <laughs> yeah but if you check the box most likely a lot of your competition will check that box also because they yeah. like make it to super day. Like almost everyone's probably checking the box on technicals or I'd be surprised if not everyone. And, that, and right. then at that point it's uh, you know, how do you differentiate yourself even more than that? And I guess you can do that partially with technicals and showing that you have like an adept level, like even beyond understanding of what the question was asking, but even beyond that is like, how are you going to stand out above everyone else? And that's right. behaviorals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you went through this process. Um, I think you say you, interview with like 15 different places that's a lot of interviews um, right it's definitely a grind right um grind. and then ultimately like what was the outcome for you at the end of this process so you kind of already talked about earlier you're going to bank capital for your junior summer right yeah yeah so congrats on that and then like yeah you super got some other offers as well right yeah and a few other offers as well kind of various type things. I think a couple of those are for off-cycle program internships. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gotten, I think, a, uh, another banking offer for off-cycle and then a few other kind of different type. I had uh, like a, a VC offer and I had uh, like, a, like a boutique consulting offer for off-cycle. So kind of deciding between those is what I was doing Got my it. best to figure out. Uh, I'd gone through some other programs as well that were really different. Like I did even shot my resume at like quant trading firms, which is so different. I mean, so different oh. to prepare for. Um, oh. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, those processes are kind of just kicking off and kind of having to start to turn down some of those because yeah. I accepted an offer. But yeah. as for banking, uh, for my summer banking, you know, I'd had a whole bunch of super days and honestly, at the beginning, um, wasn't seeing too much success in my super days. Uh, I went through, I think, three or four super days in banking that did not go my way. Finally, got in the, in around August, I'd gotten a bolt racket super day, an offer. Um, and then I kind of just sat on that until I got to bank capital and happily took it. Got it. Which uh, which bulls bracket did you get an offer from? So I had an offer from City. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. And then I had a. I mean, just starting now, I even got uh, a first round at Morgan Stanley that I just basically told them I wasn't going to do it anymore uh, after taking an offer. And then I had like another like investment management offers too. Like I had like Vanguard's investment yeah. management program. It's so hard, right? Because. Um, the, all these banks they have like different recruiting timelines and then yeah i think that even this year was particularly tough because i think a lot of places that i shot my resume off i was just starting to see her hear back like first rounds like i just got in the first round at lazar i just got a morgan stanley i just heard back from a contact at uh at jp morgan that they were starting to kick off I'd, yeah like it was uh, a lot of places that were just starting but i was happy to be done before i started doing an actual <laughs> banking job for the fall right <laughs> right and and look it, it's I think the other thing that's important there, though, is that um, you have so many at-bats, right? Like, Yeah, having at-bats is, is absolutely crucial. Yeah, because as prepared as you are, you know. At the end of the day, it's, it's like it came down. I think a lot of times, coming, at least coming to a Super Day, you can be as prepared as you, as you need to be. But it's 
you could have maybe you weren't having the best day you thought you were going to have or maybe there was like a little bit of unluckiness and and uh, just having at bats too and i think preparing me for that like having my resume and cover letters perfected was like, super helpful as well i mean maybe you're not having a good day maybe the interviewer you ran into is not having a good day yeah <laughs> maybe you just like you know had a super day on the same day as a lot of super qualified candidates like there are so many variables and at the end of the day the selectivity for this job like the acceptance rate is so low right it doesn't take a whole lot to go wrong for you to just miss yeah, it. yeah i mean i would say it has to go it has to go extremely well to get the job it can't even just go you can't even come out of it saying i think i did pretty good it's gotta you have to come out to the thing i nailed every interview yeah yeah and so like having the luxury of going through 15 interviews <laughs> or whatever and part of that too is also by the way you're probably getting better and better at interviewing as you get more and more reps. Yeah, right? everything's a data point. Like you figure out where you messed up on, if you yeah. can think about that in that way. Well, because you could you could practice all you want, and we do mock interviews and stuff like that. But like, right. At the end of the day, you're not going to completely simulate the real thing 100. Um, right. so I mean, yeah. Like I, I had a Goldman Super Day for IB, and I think that was the first time where I was kind of coherent on, okay, this is what I need to work on after this. Like I thought it went well, but I didn't think it went you know, super well. And yeah. that was a different, that's a different factor. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then, you know, at the end of the day, if you have enough at bats and you're prepared enough. Yeah. And ended up, will, it ended up going my way, you know, yeah, something will go your way. And even if, let's say, even if you didn't get Bain cab, which, you know, obviously amazing that you did, but even if you didn't get that, then like you said, you have Lazar lined up, you got Morgan Stanley lined up, you got JP Morgan. And then, so, you would have had more opportunity. Yeah, pipeline was not was far from over, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing, man. So, look, um, if uh, if if you had to give one piece of advice to people who are maybe um, going through recruiting or about to start going through recruiting right now, like they're they're in your shoes or back when you first started. Like, what would be, what's something that you wish you had known back then or someone had told you back when you first started that you know now? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think uh, something that I wish I had started earlier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even starting, like, I kind of really started hammering down things like January, February, which I think was, is, was, pretty, was pretty early. I'd gotten, you know, I'd, got, I'd gotten to my, the place I was by the end of the summer. But I think a, a lot of places were kicking off at the beginning of the summer that I just wasn't prepared enough for, I think. Yeah. You know, I was going through this, I was going through all my preparation, but I didn't feel ready to go through some of these processes. And I think it would have been interesting to see how those, some of those would have gone through. So I think earlier is always better, you know, both in preparation and even in networking too. Like, yeah. I, thankfully, I was, I think I was fortunate that I had a pretty high hit rate on people I reached out to by nature of the alumni network of my school. Mm -hmm. um, but even so, I think it would even be more helpful to talk to even more people, getting more referrals, getting, at the end of the day, it's, that's going to increase your chances. Because, I mean, one yeah. place I didn't, I didn't get, I mean, I didn't get a first round at every place that I'd run to get a first round in. I think the differentiated factor would have been having someone pulling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, some firms, like you start, you know, getting your um, process down January, February, there were even like maybe a handful of like elite boutiques and firms like that that had already kicked off their processes. Yeah, it's crazy. So I had a friend who wouldn't offer by by like March. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which I, I was I was I wasn't even done training myself at that point. <laughs> yeah, and so 
we talk to a lot of students who obviously they want to do banking, but they don't just want to do banking. They want to target the elite boutiques or the bulk bag. Like everyone wants the best, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and typically what I tell people is the sooner you can get an offer, better the offer is going to be, right? Like if you're still recruiting by like junior year, you know, or well into junior year, you're most likely not going to end up at one of these elite boutique or bulk bag firms. Right, because they'll be done recruiting by then. Like even all these firms that we've been talking about, like they're they're probably starting to wind down their processes, right? Yeah, I think most of these places are done at this point in time. Yeah, and we're in September, September junior year. So school yeah. started and most of these firms are done. So really like if you don't have an offer, what I thought was these days, if you don't have an offer locked down by the end of your sophomore summer, you're probably starting to look at, you know, middle market banks yeah. or, or something like that. So yeah, probably at this point in time, most places are done. You're working either like middle markets. Yeah. Or I mean, actually one thing about this summer was COVID made everything so weird. Like I was, I would shoot resume. I shot, I think I shot my Lizard application out in February and I heard back like last week. That's true. But I got a first round. Like that was insane. Yeah. Lizard is, I think one of the only elite boutiques left that's still recruiting and maybe Centerview too, but Centerview always recruits late for whatever reason. Yeah. No, Centerview, Centerview was odd. It was a weird timeline. Well, they have a really small class, so they, I think they don't really care, but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, that's great advice though. Starting early. Um, it's funny when I ask this question during these client interviews, like, I think that's the most common piece of advice I would get from people is like, I wish I started earlier. Right. So yeah. <laughs> for, the, for those of you who are listening, like, you know, I, I don't know where you are in your recruiting process, but um, the best time to start was yesterday. Right. And then the second best time is today. So um, I think, just get look, started. yeah, just get started. Exactly. Um, so look, I think, you know, for those of you that are listening um, to what Jared has, has shared with us up to this point, I think that uh, a couple key takeaways really like make sure that, you're going about your preparation process in a way that actually gives you a leg up on the competition, right? Like if everybody else is memorizing answers already, you probably should try to figure out how you can do something more than just that, right? You, you want to get your technical knowledge to a point where you can handle all the curveballs that are going to be thrown at you in these interviews, right? You want to get your behaviors to a point where not just do one draft of it, but two, three, four, five drafts, but not like, doing four or five drafts on your own because you probably don't have that much feedback. For <laughs> how do you know if you know you're cutting out good stuff? <laughs> right, exactly. You need someone to, um, who's actually qualified to give you advice on this stuff to actually help you go through it, right? Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the day, like what it comes down to is like, yes, you need to be prepared. But even when you feel like you're completely prepared, things might not go your way, right? And so you need to, make sure that your applications and your networking is good enough for you to get as many at-bats as possible. It's maximizing the, maximizing the chances is I think one of the most important things. Right. Like if you have one or two interviews versus you have like 15 interviews. Um, the other thing you got to realize too is if you only have one interview or two interviews, you're going to feel like all of your eggs are in that one basket. And then, so when you go into that interview, it's like, you're going to be more nervous. You're going to be like, oh, I have to get this. If I don't, this is my only shot. If I don't get this, then it's game over, right? Whereas if you know, hey, I have more interviews coming up. And if I need more interviews, I can go get more interviews. Then it's actually going to help yeah. you perform better because you're like, hey, this is not the end all be all. 
Like if I get it, obviously I'm gonna do my best to get this job. If I if I do, great. If I don't, hey, there will be another one, right? Yeah, no, that was definitely that's definitely super crucial as well. Like going to these interviews, relaxed as if you feel like you deserve to be there. Like it's not uh, if you can't if you go on uptight, they can they can sense that right up even over Zoom over the cameras, they can feel it. And it's muscle memory, right? Like I I bet you by interview number fifteen. Like you said, all of your answers felt so natural. You didn't really have yeah. to think about what you were saying anymore because you said. And it didn't even feel robotic. It wasn't like I was thinking about like a bolded list of things that I needed to say. It was oh well, this is the story that I have prepared for this, and these are the points that I remember I want to talk about. Right, right. It's like going to the gym. The first time you yeah. from a lift, you you have barely have any weights on there, and then like after you do, <laughs> and so you're gonna be sore. So many reps, yeah. it just becomes easy, right? And so yeah. it's the same thing here with recruiting. So. Look, guys, um, hopefully you guys, you know, are taking lots of notes and found this advice to be helpful. Um, if you guys are kind of just starting to recruit now or maybe you're halfway through recruiting and you're kind of struggling with some of the things that we've talked about on this call or, you know, that Jared used to struggle with and you just want that extra push and you want that extra bit of help to get you over the hump, um, then I want to invite you to book a free strategy session with our team. And uh, you can do that by going to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And what we'll do on this call is we're going to learn more about you, talk about what your goals are, where, where are you trying to get offers from, and also talk about what you've been doing and what you're currently struggling with. And then we'll see if we can help you, right? And if we can, definitely happy to, you know, come up with a game plan for you to and walk you through what that might look like. And if not, then look, sometimes we can't help everybody, right? And Jared knows it's like, we don't work with that many people, but um, if we can't help you, then we'll just give you some advice on what we think you should do instead. And so either way, look, like you can walk away from this call with some additional clarity on your situation and what you need to do. And uh, it's only going to help you, right? So again, I want to invite you guys to book this call. It's www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, we look forward to talking to you. So um, Jared, I want to thank you again for taking so much time out of your day to talk to us. And again, obviously amazing, amazing accomplishment um, on, on your recruiting process. Bain Cap is obviously a wonderful firm. Um, and yeah, so super excited. Yeah. Super proud of you, man. And uh, it, was, uh, it was really fun working with you and uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Uh, I look forward to continuing to stay in touch and see, you know, what you accomplish on, on this journey. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for working with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, man. And uh, that'll be it for today, guys. So thank you guys for uh, listening. And uh, we'll be back with more of these in the near future. All right. Thanks, guys.